Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm really fucking sick I'm black as we can have And Marilyn Manson I wish someone would break his fucking neck And with a push And laying us so racist And talking about pretentious Why don't they just blow England off the map Every now and then I turn it on again But it's plain to see that the radio still sucks Every now and then I turn it on again But it's plain to see that the radio still sucks Welcome back to the show that's just like rock and roll it'll never die the decibel geek podcast my name is aaron camaro joining me as always my good friend chris sinzak how you doing my man happy to hear you say good friend you're my good friend appreciate it you know it no doubt about it after last week that's true but yeah i'm doing good how are you i'm doing pretty good myself man i'm just happy to be back here to play some rock and roll today to have some fun we're we're busting out a classic with a new twist today we're doing the rock and roll Radio, the Radio Sucks Radio Show. It's a, such a classic, I can't even remember the name. <laughs> For how many times? The 28th. The 28th edition. The, yes. the volume. Because that's what you got to have when you're listening to a show like this is some volume. A lot of volume. We're going to crank it up today. And you know what? We talked to you guys about VIP quite a bit. You know, we kind of let it slide a little bit here lately. But today you're going to find out just how great it is to be a VIP when we introduce you to our good friend, Joe Becht. Yeah, Joe came on and he uh, took the highest level of VIP subscription, which basically allows you to come on the show with us. And he came and uh, he he had brought gone, it. He had gone back and forth with me with the number of different topics he was thinking about talking about. And then he, after he got up to like four or five, I'm like, wait a minute, like why don't you just do a radio suck show, pick ten songs, then you can talk about ten things. And that's what he did. And he did a hell of a job, man. He didn't just come on the show, man. He really brought it, and you guys are gonna find out. But before we get to that today, of course, we got to take care of some business. And I got some good business right here. It's called an iTunes review. And I count them one, two, three, four, five stars just the way we like it. It's entitled Rock and Roll Will Never Die. Wow, it all comes back together. And it goes a little something like this. Found Decibel Geek when Chris did a guest shot on Inappropriate Earl's podcast. Cool, man. <laughs> you did an awesome job on that. Thanks, man. He figured he'd, he'd give him a chance. After all, anyone who talks fondly about the Vinnie Vincent invasion can't be that bad. Needless to say, I was hooked after two episodes and have now begun my journey through the archives. I love the open format of the show. Whether they're introducing me to obscure bands and songs that I've never heard of before, or giving their own personal insights to the music I grew up with. I'm 43, so do your own math. Each episode has a fun ride. A few years ago, Gene Simmons claimed rock and roll is dead, 
But with guys like the Decibel Geeks serving as defenders of the faith, the spirit of rock will keep on rolling and give you a reason to live. Okay, enough bad puns. Give them a listen and let them take you over the edge, up the irons. Hell yeah. Awesome, and that's from Jay Capone the Third. And thanks so much, man. I mean, glad. I always love to hear from new people that just now catch on to the show and uh, are going back through the archives. It means it's nice to know we still get new listeners every week. I'd give him a warning, but I don't want to wreck no surprises for him if he's going back through the archives. <laughs> okay. <sighs> just See, to hang on to yourself. Just forgive us later, please. <laughs> no, we love you now. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you for that iTunes review. It's awesome. That's the kind of something we want someone to read. Yeah. You know, when they read that, they say, man, Decibel Geek sounds awesome. Let's check that out. More people to the party. That's the way we like it. It sounds good. I think I'm going to give this, this show a shot and listen to it sometime. Yeah, you should. Yeah. I heard it's pretty good. It is. Um, Geeks of the Week. These are the other people we love so much. These people that share on Facebook, we retweet on Twitter. Uh, you do that with a new episode. I'll mention your name next week. It's as easy as that. And we had a lot of, of friends and supporters yes, from last week. We absolutely did. We thank you all. Geeks of this week. Geeks of the Week this week. Ugh. Geeks of the Week this week are Shane Aber, Ian Wildey from Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, Mike Stewart, Kevin Williams, Anthony Britt, David Glenn, Aaron Baker, William Douglas, Rockin' Ray Osborne. Uh-oh, Rockin' Ron Runyon's got some competition. Uh-oh, Rockin' Ray Osborne. Ron Butler, Joe Lescon, FJA Mods, Ben Double Down Deadman, Jennifer yeah. Sleep, Dave Koska, Dan Chapu, Brad Kalmanson, Wayne Cross, Mikhail Burrell, Dakota Denman. Hoops, the band Denman. All right. We're covered now. Michael Wagner shared it. Nice. Andrew Jacobs, Todd Cunningham, Cool World, James Brenda Dunn, Mark Alden Taylor, Adam Cox, Rent Tibbetts, Kenneth Roy, Greg McGlone, White Polar Bear Mount. Okay. Sounds, sounds metal to me. Uh, Tom Smoke, Christopher Stokes, Stephen Atchison, Derek Novak, Sean Collin, SNJM, Session, Graham Spark, Ernesto Aguiar, and the Mooger Fugger. Heck yeah, those are our people. They're always out there on the streets spreading the word of rock and roll and the Decibel Geek Podcast. We love you all. We thank you all for it. And a special thanks to Cal Hintz that sent us a little present. We really enjoyed that. Very cool. Very cool stuff, man. So, are you guys ready to rock and roll? Do you want to know how this works? Let me tell you something. You can become a Decibel Geek VIP. It's very easy. We don't really talk about it probably as much as most podcasts do, but you know there is extra ways you can help us out. You can go to Decibel geek.com you can do your amazon shopping through your through our link you can go to decibelgeek.com and pick up a t-shirt mm-hmm. you know that's a great way to help us out if you just want to kick us a donation there always used to be a donation button it's I still think. there is it still there it just says donate nobody uses it but it's still yeah. there just knock the dust off that thing and give it a <laughs> <Please>. tap yeah <laughs> need some exercise but uh you know the best way i think is our vip program because there's a lot of different levels and variations of it so you you know, you can start out as just really hardly paying anything. Dollar an episode. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, I mean, you know the logistics probably a little better than me. Yeah, there's $1 an episode, $3 an episode, $5 an episode, and then it goes up from there. And then the ultimate is the ultimate. This is the, what Joe's doing this week. Right. You and can do that. We're going to give you a taste of the ultimate. We've, You guys have had taste of the ultimate before, and every time we've had a VIP on as a guest, they've knocked it out of the park. True. Today is no exception. I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah, let's Let's go talk to Joe Beck, the DBG VIP. So here we're kicking it off. We're going to do radio 
Radio Sucks radio show today. We got our special guest, Joe, back with us. He's a Decibel Geek VIP, man. Thanks for coming on with us, dude. Thanks for having me. This I'm really, really honored to be part of the show. I just wanted to go into a little history of how I became a fan of the show. Okay. Because it didn't start off very well. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> Are we going to get roasted now? <laughs> no, the first the first episode I listened to, you, you talked about the uh, early Aerosmith albums. And uh-huh. in my estimation, my favorite album of all time is Kiss Alive. Okay. But the first four uh, Aerosmith albums, in my opinion are the greatest rock and roll ever made. Hmm. So I appreciated the show. What rubbed me the wrong way was that you guys did not pick Rats in the Cellar as the best song on rocks. That's like their greatest song ever made. So I was like, okay, I, I can understand, but Rats in the Cellar, come on, guys. Oh, it is then, a good song. <laughs> pardon me? It is a good song. I'll give you that. It's a great song. Yeah. <laughs> so then the next episode, I think, uh, was the Vinnie Vincent interview oh. <laughs> i'm sorry so i'm like oh come on man so i i backed off the show a little again. while <laughs> but i heard you guys on um the uh, rock and roll the iron maiden uh, uh. special and i also heard chris on the uh, rock solid with doing the kiss solo albums and they were just great shows so i'm like i'm gonna give this another chance and the show is great and the fact that you guys love like Life, Sex, Death, which is a band from I'm from Chicago, mm. and the drummer actually grew up like a block away from me when I was a kid. Oh, right on! And to to know that you guys were in that type of music, I really just enjoy listening to you every week. And now, now I'm a huge fan, obviously, and and a VIP member, so I'm here. Heck yeah, man! Awesome. Yeah, well, I, I to this day I want to do an album's unleashed on Life, Sex, and Death, and I want to get the Stanley? I want to get Stanley. Yeah, on show. man. I think it would be I, cool. You know, I might be able to hook you up with Brian, the drummer. Okay. I, yeah. I know my like my cousin, I believe, still talks to him. Hmm. And I think he moved back to Chicago. So, you know, that, that's something to keep in the back burner. Stanley, I have no idea. I mean, it, it was really weird because they would play clubs here. I, I think I, I saw him once. and Like Stanley actually had body odor and stuff. He played the thing uh-huh. to a T. Oh, yeah. Right on. Right on. But, you know, it, and, and I'm going to talk about this. Um, that's one of the main themes of my picks for these songs because life, sex, death falls into that. They were just, uh, misunderstood and, and they came out in a time, you know, in the early nineties period had some really kick-ass music, the grunge music included. Um, you know, I, I love Soundgarden. I loved, uh, the first two Pearl Jam albums. I just considered that kick-ass seventies hard rock with some depressing lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but you know some of these other bands, you know, like like Sex, like Sex Death and some of the other bands we're going to cover today, I believe fall in those categories too. I just like kick-ass music, guys. So, well, it shows by your list for sure, and we're going to have some fun talking about these bands today and playing them for the people. You know, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So what what's the uh, what's your first pick for the for the this Radio Sucks Volume Twenty Eight? Wow, Twenty Eight, huh? Nice. Yeah. So, you know, guys, radio does suck. Agreed. <laughs> and I knew radio sucked back when I was a kid in the 70s. So my first song is uh, Angel, Can You Feel It? Now, Sirius plays this song from time to time. But the reason I picked this song, there's a couple reasons. One, recently Angel had kind of a reunion. Punky Meadows has been doing quite a bit of interviews over the last year. And... Uh, I like the interviews a lot. Punky talks like a mile a minute. It's crazy. 
but he, I, I believe he sold, sells short the On Earth As It Is In Heaven album. That album just blows me away. The album cover's great. The logo's great. And the production by Eddie Kramer is great. Yeah, and the yeah. song Can You Feel It features one of the greatest guitar solos of all time. What I really like about it, and, and the kick-ass drums from Barry Brandt um, that start off the, uh, the song, and what I really love about the guitar solo is you can actually hear him hitting the strings during it. So when you give this a lesson, uh, listen, just you know, pay attention to this guitar solo because it just blows my mind.
Eddie Trunk had the whole band together and they interviewed him and they talked, you know, what's your favorite album? And they talked about every album except for this one. No, this is their best album. And this is the best song in their album. So that's why I picked it. Oh. And radio sucks because you never heard it on the radio when I was a kid. So. Yeah, it sucks that they didn't play it back then because it is such an awesome song, man. I love the way the drums kick in in the beginning and the guitar solo just freaking scorches, man. Yeah, and I want to hear I'm I'm real I know Punky started announcing live shows, so I'm just dying and hoping that they will uh, do a show here in Nashville because I would love to see him. Live. Yeah, because that album he came out with last year, that Punky Metal solo Great. album was really good too. Yeah, yeah it was really good. His, really good, I agree. Yeah, his his live play, his soloing on it is as good now as it was back in the day. Yeah. So. All right, so Angel, that's a good way to start off the show. And I know so what's uh, what's going on with Angel nowadays. I mean, they're reunion and getting back together and stuff. Are there any plans for any new music, anything like that? Do you know of? Well, the only thing I've heard of is you know the interview with Eddie Trunk, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, Greg, Greg Jafria did really well with the um, you know his casinos and. I, I think he had some trouble with the casinos, but then his he he developed some program on a, a, a um, slot machines with his son. Yeah, he's a millionaire. So yeah, he does really well. So the only thing that was really considered during the interview, and the last I heard, is they might do a possible one-off or maybe a residency. But there's no, they're not going to get together to tour, but possibly a reunion show or maybe some type of residency in in a casino or Vegas. Uh, would be a possibility if they do that. I'm out there to see it for sure. Yeah, because it's be a cool band. I mean, every, every member of the band, you know, and and, and they talk about how uh, you know they missed the boat with MTV, and I believe this type of band would have really thrived on MV, MTV because sure. they had a look. They had a great singer. I mean, it it everything about the band was talented. You can hear the bass. You can hear the drums. Uh, the guitar. You know, Punky is a great guitar player. Uh, it it would have been awesome to see what it was like if he actually joined kiss uh like he said in his interview but yeah that, that's the last i heard about uh what they're going to do they eddie trunk had that uh reunion show several months ago yeah it was a good interview that eddie did with them and uh yeah i remember that uh punky mentioning that he had the job in kiss uh gene offered him the job to replace ace and, wow. and, he, and he turned him down dang which yeah. surprising <laughs> that would have been interesting they offered him a salary plus points which is crazy because that's not what they gave vinnie vincent no (laughs) (laughs) obviously not even close oh man that's pretty wild yeah i think angel was a band that was just a little bit before their time Mm -hmm. because like you say you know think about them early days of mtv when you got like uh, david lee roth videos and stuff like that imagine that band in that era when mtv was first breaking and and the songs were so good i gotta think they'd have been huge they would have been yeah i agree I agree. And Jafria had some success, but it didn't have the heaviness of uh, what Angel had. That's right. Yeah. So uh, so what do you got for your second pick? All right. My second pick uh, is by Skid Row. And I have a lot to say about this because I really appreciate the shows you did on their first two albums. They're just great listens. Oh, thanks. To have the producers and talk to band members and just go on your album focus and talk about how those albums are made is just just really a great great listen so thank you for that um my history with skid row you know i was i'm a huge music fan obviously and i love metal and hard rock but 
I know you guys are like, like a lot of the late 80s music. I was kind of like in a rut in the late 80s. And Skid Row came out, and I thought they were pretty good. And I actually saw them open up for Bon Jovi. I took a date uh, to see wow. Bon Jovi. She loved Bon Jovi. I hated Bon Jovi, but I wanted to see Skid Row. <laughs> Ladies love uh, Bon Jovi. I, yeah, I, I paid an arm and a leg for these tickets, and nothing came to fruition from the date. So it was just, <laughs> you know. But anyway, uh, so so I liked Skid Row. And then when Slave to the Grind came out, I thought it was uh, I thought it was very good. I, yeah. I thought Monkey Business was great in a lot of those songs. You know, I like I like the heavier approach. Yeah. Then, um, you know, I went out to uh, my wife and I went to Paris in London back in uh, 1995. Oh, you met Sebastian's uh, kids? No, no. (laughs) 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 Yeah. So long story short, my wife gets really sick. She she gets like strep throat. We got to a doctor and everything. So she's stuck in the hotel room and I'm on my own. So I went to Wembley to see a soccer game and then – I'm walking around Soho in the, at the Astoria Theater. I see Skid Rose playing. I'm like, I'm going. And the wow. line was, you know, mile long. And I go in, and, and they played stuff off their new album, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, uh, which is Subhuman Race. And I'm like, this stuff is great. And then, so when the album came out, I was just blown away. Subhuman Race definitely cracks my top ten, if not my top five albums of all time. Wow. I wow. Just think it is absolute perfection the uh, the songs on it from uh you know beats beat yourself blind uh this the title track kind of reminds me of that fast aerosmith but a lot heavier he does you know he even does kind of that that steven tyler you know in in fro uh, frozen is the the track i'm picking but I could have picked anything on there and it even has a it has a fantastic ballad it's extremely heavy actually called breaking yeah. down um, but it's it's from first song to last song, just fantastic. What in hindsight, what I I mean, Bob Rock produces it, you know. So he, they were going on a roll with Metallica, and, and uh, Bob Rock, you know, had success with the Cult and other bands. Uh, not so much success, well, with Motley Crue on Doctor Feelgood, but now with the uh, with the uh, Karabi album. But um, I just love the production on this album. But I've recently read some interviews, like Sebastian Bach in the album kind of just glosses over it and says it wasn't really a Skid Row album. It was a good, you know, like almost like how Kiss talks about the Elder. You know, it's a great album, but it wasn't a great Kiss album. Yeah. He said it's a good album, but it's not a, you know, it's not a Skid Row album. It's a Bob Rock album. And then I've heard uh, Rachel Bolin rip into it too. And I'm like, how can you rip into this? I just think this album is perfection. It's heavy. It's it's got great songs. It's got great melodies. It's everything I look for in hard rock because, you know, if there's, you know, you get, you get in this, especially in the late eighties, it was like either like Slayer, which I like Slayer or you like, you know, the hair, the hair stuff that was getting out of hand. But I like, what I really like is something that is just good, hard driving rock. Like, uh, like, you know, and I talked to you about Aerosmith rocks, you know, stuff like that. And I see this album as that. I, I just love I love this album. And as I said, it's definitely in my top ten, most likely in my top five of all time. And I listen to it at least once a week. Wow. That's a wow, that's serious praise for yeah. for, for, for yeah. subhuman. I, I can't I can't say enough about it. You know, it's weird because you know, we you, you talk about bands and, and, and we're gonna talk about Rush later too. You know, you talk about you know what 
what kind of bands do you really like? And every band has that, you know, ebb and flow. And, and like I said, the first album I thought was okay. The second album, very good. But I would, you know, never say it was a classic. This album, you know, if, if this if they just came out with this album alone, it would be they'd be like a band like Riot, where they're like one of my favorite bands. But they had that, you know, one or two kick-ass albums. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love it.
that's awesome, man. Yeah, that's it's yeah. to go against what like most people's common consensus would be. I think for our listeners, yeah, would be I didn't like, get, you know, slave to the grind number one, the debut number two, and and subhuman race far behind, you know. But subhuman race is an awesome album, and you know, Chris and I talked about it before, you know, and for what Bob Rock did with it we almost wonder what it would have been like if Michael Wagner would have produced it, you know, judging on the sound of the Skid Row album, Slave to the Grind to Subhuman Race. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I like how what Bob Rock does. I, I, it's perfection to me. Yeah. And yeah. to go with the theme, you know, radio sucks. This should have been played on the radio. And to, to you know, you had these bands out, you know, they really started kicking ass. Like, I wasn't a huge Nirvana fan, but I loved Alice. I loved um, Alice in Chains. I loved Soundgarden because they had that Black Sabbath feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pearl Jam reminded me of that early 70s rock. Like, so, you know, you avoid – if you didn't like the lyrics because they were too de- political or too depressing, fine. But I just thought they gave the music scene a kick in the ass. The problem was that, you know, they became labeled as this grunge. And the way I looked at it is you had, okay, that was good, you know, great music. But you also had Skid Row coming out with some kick-ass stuff. You had Motley Crue coming out with an experimental album with uh, Karabi putting out some kick-ass stuff. You had Pantera. You know, Pantera was selling a lot of albums at the time. Um, and we're going to talk about a few, you know, other bands as we as we go along. But it, you know, one is uh, Love Hate, which we're going to talk about later. Yeah. You know, they're they're, they're just in, in Life, Sex, Death, as we talked about too. You know, it, I thought they should have fit in as well. You know, should just been kick-ass hard rock. Right. You know, enough with enough with the labels. You know? Sure. Somebody made that division somewhere and said, OK, that's the old thing. This is the new thing. And you can't like that and also like this. But that's bullshit, because like you say, and I agree with it 100 percent, it's it's all rock and roll to me. You know, it's just yeah. different variances of it, of heaviness or whatever. But like when you say Soundgarden, I don't necessarily think grunge. I mean, because to me, Soundgarden was just a hard rock hard band, rock, like yeah. you say, in the right. vein of Sabbath, you know. So how does that get lumped in with like Pearl Jam or Nirvana or, yeah. you know, even the bands, if you look at grunge as a whole, there's a lot of bands in there that are different from each other. How you could all call it like based on, you know, where it came from, Seattle. You came from Seattle, you're grunge. Right. What, is, what does right. that mean? Oh, well, you're from Seattle. Or you're yeah. part of this new regime that yeah, we're pushing. We like, we like to co- compartmentalize bands. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not I right. Yeah, I, I'm not for that at all because there's so many different uh, types of music and bands that rock, and I love. Like one of my favorite albums of all time is David Bowie's Station to Station. Another album that always gets put down, you know, because Bowie hated it because they because he was using the most drugs during that album. That album kicks ass, <laughs> and it's hard rock. Yeah, and you know it. But no, it it, it it puts on the side. So yeah, I I, I feel strongly about, as you as you can tell, I feel strongly about uh, my picks well, uh, today. With the with the Skid Row, I gotta say, I yeah. think I think the reason that Sebastian and Rachel may kind of spit on it in hindsight is you, they from their vantage point that was a period in the time in the band when the band was starting to split apart. Yeah. So they probably right. have don't have fond memories of it. So it makes it more convenient to basically shit on the album. But that time I saw them in London, they kicked ass. Yeah. It was it was a, it was a club send- setting, and uh, aside from, for some reason, British crowds like to spit a lot. Yeah, it's uh, a term of endearment. Yeah. Aside from that, it was a great show, and they it, you couldn't tell it by what they were doing on stage. Sebastian put on a great act, and I just I I, I love this album. Yeah, it's definitely an album. I think people should so, check out more. And the song, and the song I chose is Frozen. It's just uh, it just 
friggin' makes the hairs in the back of my neck stand up. Awesome. The whole band yeah. wails on that song. Sebastian Bach especially, man. Some of them notes he hits on that. So I, if you could do a show on the uh, third Skid Row album, that right. would be awesome one day. So we got to try have, to get Bob you'd Rock. You'd have to get Bob Rock. I was going to say, you, you to happen to know Bob Rock's cousin, or does he live next door to you or anything? <laughs> oh, and who knows, you know, be, I don't know if any of the Skid Row guys would have anything good to say about it, but that's unfortunate. I'm going to ask Rachel. Yeah. Know. He could always yeah. come back. Sure. Well, Rachel, it, Rachel's quoted as saying this, it sucks. So I don't know. I got to <laughs> disagree. I remember yeah. when it first came out, man, I was excited to get it because it, it was a new Skid Row album. I freaking love Skid Row. And when I got it and I listened to it, I wasn't disappointed with it at all. You know, I thought it was a great album when it first came out. And, you know, looking back on it now, it's a damn shame that it didn't get the uh, attention mm -hmm. that the first two albums got because it is a damn good album and it's highly overlooked and highly underrated. So what, uh, what do you got next on your list, Joe? You're on a all roll, right, so, Joe. So, all right, so next one is from last year and this is why another reason why radio really really sucks and cheap trick uh i'm from chicago by the way i'd like to make a distinction cheap trick is not a chicago band they're you know, they played the clubs here cheap trick is from rockford right yeah <laughs> rockford is not chicago that's like 90 miles away from right. each other yeah it's far away yeah. Yeah, it's it's on the Wisconsin border. It's a totally separate city. But anyway, I love Cheap Trick. Everyone loves Cheap Trick. Um, they were my first first concert. I've seen them so many times opening up for bands, headlining. Uh, they always play. I was out in Baltimore uh, like in 2004, 2005. We went to an Orioles game, and there was 70s night, and they played for free in the parking lot, a full set. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I didn't even know they were playing. You know, it was just coincidence. So I've seen Cheap Trick so many times. I love all their albums. Their album last year that came out called Bang, Zoom, Crazy, Hello is definitely one of my favorite albums by them. I am blown away by this album. This and Megadeth um, were my two favorite albums of last year. And one of the it, – the songwriting is great. The production is great. Um, they put – Put it, they're all into it, um, but it just didn't seem to get a lot of traction, unfortunately. And that just shows the sad state of the radio today. And uh, one of the reasons I really think this album just kicks ass is Dak Nielsen playing drums. The drums are fantastic. And I have noticed with uh, a few bands, uh, spe specifically Judas Priest, uh, they, you know, they got the new guitar player. I'm blinking on his name right now. Richie Faulkner. Uh, pardon me? Richie Faulkner. Yeah, Richie. Yeah. You know, I I, that, I love that album, too. And I went to go see him live. And it's like Richie Faulkner was a blood transfusion for the band. He just picked the rest of the band members up and made them kick ass again. Mm -hmm. And I believe Dak does this on uh, this album. He's like new blood. He plays, He replaces Bunny. And he's one of the reasons this album just is phenomenal. I, I, I love it. You know, first song to last song, one through 11. You know, I'd listen to it. And I'm like, this is good. This is good. Uh, uh, when I wake up tomorrow, it's just really dark and beautiful song. And I'm like, this is great. And then I keep on, you know, Blood Red Lips is great. And it keeps on going. Uh, the song I picked is The Sun Never Sets because it's just incredibly uh, catchy. But there's a part in there in the middle where you hear it. 
and you're thinking this is like the who, um, cause you know, Tom Peterson's a God and I, I always, it's my opinion. I think it's valid that reason cheap trick. Well, Robin Zander has probably one of the best voices in rock and he still can bring it. Most definitely. But Tom Peterson, the bass, you know, I think, Rick Nielsen is okay as a guitarist. You know, he doesn't, not a lot of flash there, but Tom Peterson's bass was, is always incredible. You know, he he plays the 12 string bass. And, uh, on this album, when him and Dak just go at it and that like bridge in the middle of the song, it's friggin' great. I I just love it. So, uh, unfortunately it didn't get a lot of traction. And, and one thing I couldn't figure out, and maybe they do this by choice I, you never talk to a person that doesn't like Cheap Trick. You know, everyone likes – it's like one of those bands everyone likes. But they don't – they never do headline tours. They're, they play small venues or they're always opening up. You know, they they did that tour with um, with Hart and Joan Jett last summer. Mm-hmm. And they're playing here in Chicago and they're playing first. I'm like, no, it should be the other <laughs> way. You know, Hart should be second. Cheap Trick should be third. Yeah. Joan should be first. No, that's not right. I, I, you know, Hart brought him up on stage with him and it was cool, but – I don't know. Just it, I I don't understand uh, why they just aren't uh, doing big headlining headlining acts, but um, they always bring it. it. It's it's always a great show, and uh, this album I can't say enough about again.
like the, the Rodney Dangerfields of rock. You know, they're like they're great, but they don't get quite the respect they deserve. And that's true. And that right. and and on that song pick, like you said, Tom Peterson sticks out a lot on that song because you know the bass. It's a very bass heavy riff on the whole song. But I I'm happy to hear from a cheap trick fan that likes the album because yeah. a lot of my friends that are cheap trick fans did for some reason complain about the album. I think it fits great with their whole catalog. Yeah, I don't. I don't get that. I heard, um, I think the rock salad guy said yeah, he really man. couldn't get into it. And I was like, what, why, what, what don't you like? I mean, it's just, it's a cheap it's, trick album. Yeah, it definitely yeah, is. I would think I mean, by listening it, it, to it, anybody that's a cheap trick fan would love it because to me, you can cherry pick so many of them songs on that album and drop them into different eras yeah. of cheap trick. And so in that instance, there's a little bit of something for everybody on this album. Yeah. And like I said, uh, Dax drumming just, it's like a blood, blood transfusion into the band, just new energy yeah, and just, yeah, phenomenal. Cool. Do you, cool. Like we said, maybe it's the idea of, you know, Hey, it's not bunny, you know, and that hurts our feelings. And so we don't really want to give it a chance. No, no, you gotta, you gotta let go. Even, even with, you know, okay. You're the controversy with kiss and I'm a huge <laughs> kiss fan. Um, you know, they were my gateway band alive's the greatest album of all time, but you know, Tommy Thayer and definitely Eric Singer, you know, they, they kick ass. And you could tell that Paul and Gene on stage are happier because they have that dependable backbone. Yeah. And Tommy Thayer's come into his own. You know, Ace is still playing great. I've seen Ace, uh, you know, every time he comes here solo, I go see him play. But, um, you know, they, they sometimes you need those new band members to uh, to get the band back in the shape it's like a personal trainer <laughs> mm -hmm. to 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 get him back yeah, that makes sense it does yeah. so what so what do we got up next all right so my next one is uh by rush and the song is animate and it's off their counterparts album i love which, this song now this might be out from left field but to me and uh counterparts was my creatures of the night for rush mm -hmm. because I, I was a fan since 2012 and I love the, you know, I love to obviously, I mean, 2112, um, 2112 obviously is a, is a masterpiece and I love farewell, the Kings hemispheres, uh, uh, permanent waves, moving pictures. Um, when they came out with signals, I thought it was okay. But then as the mid to late eighties came in way too keyboard heavy for me, yeah, I would still buy the albums. Like I would buy the, you know, I bought kiss unmasked and I would buy the elder, although in hindsight, I, I really don't mind the elder, but you know, I'd buy, I buy Russian kiss, you know, you buy them just because you love the band. They meant a lot to you and you kind of hope that one day they'll get, come back to really kicking ass. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in, in their, in their documentary, uh, behind the lighted state or gilded yeah. st lighted stage, whatever, which, or beyond the lighted stage, I believe it is. Yeah, it's great. Every, every, everyone should see whether you're a Rush fan or not. It's, it's just phenomenal the way they told the record company to, to, uh, they basically gave a middle finger to the record company and released 2112. And by that time, you know, because of the success, they were able to call their own shots for the remainder of their career. But, uh, in that, you know, in, in that, um, documentary they they talk about how presto was their return to the guitar based rock and i thought presto was okay i thought roll the bones was all right too i almost equate roll the roll the bones is like their elder to me you know they had the rap <laughs> and there's some good songs mainline's good and yeah i like roll the bones 
Yeah, but when I picked up Counterparts and threw on Animate, which is the first song yeah. with Neil Peart, Peart, sorry, it's Peart, yes. uh, doing the countdown and then going into this phenomenal song with heavy guitar, great lyrics, and just it, – it's just got everything that I love, originally loved in Rush, and it's up there with all my favorite Rush songs. Mm-hmm.
Um, and they, they played on the last tour. I don't know if you guys caught them on the last tour. I did, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, I, well, and that and that Counterparts album and that song, it's such a great headphones album and song because it, 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 it kind of swirls around your ears when you hear it. The way it's produced is just excellent on that, on that album. Right. And if I remember correctly, we go back to the radio theme. I believe they did get some airplay here, but, you know... Not as much. You'd still hear Working Man. You'd still hear, you know, the, the, the they always play the same songs. Yeah. And I was like, no, you, you got to, this album should be played regularly. This is, this, there's some great stuff. Nobody's Hero on, on Counterpart is just a beautiful song. It starts acoustically. It's about uh, Neil Peart's uh, interactions with a few people that passed away. And it's just, just, there's just great songs on this. Yeah. And I, and I, it's their Creatures of the Night for me because it was there i remember calling my cousin you know my cousin and i had this uh kindred ship because we got in the hard rock and heavy metal together and um i remember calling him saying they're back and he's like what are you talking i'm like you got to get this new album they're it's like they're back and uh yeah so that's why i picked it and it's just a great album and 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 the lead-off song is phenomenal but back to the uh concert i thought it was just great how they went reverse chronological order and it took me right. you know about three or four songs in the set list to realize what they were doing i hadn't re- read anything no, about I, it and i gotta correct myself i didn't see that tour i saw the oh. um the uh clockwork angels tour i didn't see the okay the r41 so the was the last tour yeah. was unreal you know they they started with clockwork Angels, song off of clockwork angels with their stage show and then they had guys constantly moving around the stage mm-hmm. swapping cool. out amps and everything they went in reverse order. So by 2112, Neil Peart was, had the 2112 drum set. By their encore, they played three songs off the first album. Nice. And they just had two spotlights with a curtain in back of them <laughs> and a drum set like they're playing in a club. Wow. And then that Kiss was, cool. And then Kiss came on because they were opening. <laughs> well, kidding. no, it's funny because they had, you know, they had their videos. They had um, <laughs> the guy from, one of the guys from Second City, U- Eugene Levy, did a, uh, like he was a game, like a, uh, variety host and he goes uh, you know this is Rush it's three young lads from Toronto and they've even opened up for Kiss oh and, nice and, that's cool and they came out and they, and they played Working Man and In the Mood and, uh, oh. and yeah it was pretty cool great it was cool yeah didn't they do it didn't they release a DVD for that tour yes they did I gotta pick yeah. that up and they that swapped out so cool. and they have the extras cause like um, they uh, played when the night I saw them they played YYZ they would swap oh. that out with Camera Eye and they swapped out um, early, early distant warning with another song off of that album. So they would they they would make subtle changes to the set list. Mm-hmm. So they made sure to have a bonus CBD, DVD to uh, have all of the songs that they played on that tour. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, can really I cool. can I share my quick uh, story of my experience at the Rush concert when when I took my wife to see them on Clockwork Angels? Because you're because you're a Kiss fan too, so you'll appreciate the humor in this. All right, I. I like Rush, and I've become more of a fan over the last few years. But at the time that I took my wife to the, the tour, I was like, I was kind of a fringe fan, but I liked them. And I love Clockwork Angels, and so I was excited to see that show. And, you know, they have the intermission after the first act. And my friend who I used to work with, he bought all the tickets, and, like, we're down in really good seats. We paid a lot of money for these tickets. So we're sitting with, like, the biggest Rush diehard nerdy fans you could imagine. They're all surrounding me. <laughs> so... At the end of the, I think it was at the end of the first set. Neil Peart does the drum solo, and 
and he finishes and they go off stage for a minute. The lights come up and everything. Everybody's relaxing. And my friend's like, you know, six seats down. So he's got to yell at me and he goes, Hey, so what did you think? And I say this really loud just to piss everybody off. I go, that drummer's pretty good, but he's no Peter Chris. Oh, Oh, no, get out of here. <laughs> I had so many dirty looks shot at me for saying that. People are like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> I had so many multi-sided dice thrown at me that day. Yeah, I did. <laughs> you know, that reminds me, you always have those concert stories. We went to go see um, Queensryche when they did the Mind Crime tour, when they still had Jeff Tate. Uh-huh. So they played here at House of Blues, and uh, I knew a guy, he had a founder's box. And we, I mean, we, we, we were up, it was pretty cool. So, uh you know, they play, they play the whole Mindcrime album. They play all these great tunes. Then they go into Silent New City. You know, there's a dude sitting next to me, and uh, he's acting like he doesn't want to be there. And Silent New City comes on. He goes, oh, my God, I love this song. I'm like, oh, dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you get those moments where, like, come on. <laughs> did you did you lean over him and go, I'm standing next to you? No, but uh, what my friend really wanted to punch him <laughs> I bet. but i said no you know back off don't you know it, it's just let him let him be i get it silent <laughs> stupidity mm. <laughs> oh man okay so rush was cool what do you got after that all right so my next one this is why another reason why radio sucks <laughs> um this band love hate yes yes so now i know a guy in town where i live who uh was actually in la when uh Jizzy crucified himself on the Hollywood sign. Yeah, we've talked about this a few times. <laughs> yeah, it still couldn't get him any radio airplay or traction. It was just, I mean, what else do you have to do? But, uh, yeah, 1992, Wasted in America. You know, I, I bought uh, Blackout in the Wet Red uh, right? Blackout? Blackout in the Red Room? Yeah, I, I like that album a lot. So, you know, I, I, I bought the follow-up. This album is great, man. It's like has such weird time changes and such out there lyrics. And it, I listen to it all the time. Once again, first song, the last song, mm-hmm. just great stuff. And I could have picked anything off this album. You know, there's a song called uh yucca man on there. And I have no idea what it's about. I know there's, you know, I thought maybe it was like something to do with spirituality and the yucca tree or something. But then you realize there's a street in Hollywood, like a couple of, uh, blocks off a of Hollywood Boulevard called Yucca Street. So I don't know if it's about a guy who was hung out on Yucca Street. I don't know. It's hard to find a lot of uh, information on this album, but yeah. Wasted America is just an incredible album. It's so unique. But, you know, when it was explained to me, like, they were they were too heavy for the hair people and too hair for the people that like things that were heavy. But I always found it to be that band, like I said, with Skid Row, with Subhuman Race. This this album just like falls right in my wheelhouse. It's just kick-ass, perfect hard rock with very original time changes. There's some really cool guitar and bass work in this that, uh, you know, like Happy Hour or uh, it, the whole thing. You know, it just starts out, like Happy Hour just starts out such weird timing on the guitar and it goes into this kick-ass song. But I really don't know what these songs were about because you can't find much information on this. I know he's doing a um, – it's just him and the band now, I believe. Yeah, he's, I think he's the only one left. Yeah, so apparently this sold well in the U.K. because he's doing a whole U.K. Uh, 25th anniversary tour. But he's there's no United States dates. I don't, I don't think they would sell. But apparently it did well in the U.K. because he has a whole U.K. tour where they're going to play the entire album. 
That's a damn shame. I hate that sometimes when you see that and your favorite bands that you'd love to see in concert if they came to your town are playing a shit ton of dates overseas, but don't play them here in the States. But you got to kind of understand why, you know, because these bands, for what they could sell out a place for over in, you know, somewhere in England, you can't do it here in the States because nobody's buying tickets to see Jizzy Pearl's Mm -hmm. Love Hate when they come to town. Fickle audience. Me and a couple other people. Yeah, I'd be. Yeah, I know. I mean, you guys, are you, you guys fans? Shit, yeah, man. I've been a fan of Love Hate since yeah. the first time I ever heard them back in the day. I right. love this band. Aaron so Wasted in, Wasted in America was just, you know, and it had that, you know, it, it, I thought it fit in with the way rock and roll was going in the uh, early to mid-90s. It had that kick-ass beat, the kick-ass lyrics. And like I said, the time changes on these songs are so original. Uh, it, it's one of the most original albums in my collection. It's really eclectic, yet yet it's heavy, and it it's just cool. It's great. I love it. I listen to it all the time. That's one of them things where somebody says, "Oh, love, hey, well, what's that like?" I yeah. well, it's kind of um, mm, uh, you know, it's hard to say. If you like that, you like this. If you like this, you like that. It's hard to do that with love, hate because, like you say, they are so unique and different. And like you said, man, that's part of the problem. I think maybe why they didn't make it as big as they did, other than the funny timing of them them years there with grunge taking over and the music scene changing. But the fact that it was so hard to put these guys into a box. Are they Metallica? No. Are they Guns N' Roses? No. Are they Motley Crue? No. Are they Soundgarden? No. They're nothing like any of those bands, but just as heavy at times, you know, just as melodic and, you know, some really unique like you say that the time changes in the music it's it's almost like heavy metal glam prog you know some great acoustic stuff mixed in there it's it's hard to pin down a band like love hate other than say they're they're freaking awesome yeah and aaron you're 100 correct you know i think that's why they should have gotten played but apparently you know radio everybody's afraid to take chances and except when that one band kind of hits then everybody has to copy them right but yeah apparently nobody wanted to take a chance in this band here and and that's unfortunate yeah it's a damn shame because i think love hates one of the most underrated bands there probably ever was i agree i, I see agree. something really cool today on youtube with with uh jizzy pearl and love hate it was him and skid from a clip back in the day on the headbangers ball and they're saying it may possibly be the first unplugged performance on MTV. Huh. It's just Skid and Jizzy, and they they bust out an acoustic guitar, and just the two of them get up there on on Headbangers Ball. Ricky Rackman introduces them, and they play "She's an Angel." Huh? I haven't seen that. Wow. And it's it's really good, you know, for two guys where they said, "Well, what are you gonna do? Oh, we got an acoustic guitar. You want to get up and sing a song? Yeah, we're gonna sing a song. Get up there and and just belt it out, you know." And I look, I watch that, and I. I had to show my wife. I was like, check out young Jizzy Pearl, you know, and, and how much balls that's got to take to get up in front of those big cameras, you know, in front mm-hmm. of a, you know, how many people are going to be watching this on MTV. And it's just you up there with your guitar player and sing the song and pour what? everything you got into it. And he does it and he nails it. It's a beautiful One thing. thing. Is that uh, Jizzy did not lack balls because he crucified himself on the Hollywood sign. <laughs> That's always the, gonna... other, the other thing about that too. When they brought him down from there, and they asked him, why did you do it? You know, it, it wasn't for world peace. It wasn't for, you know, you know, children in Cambodia. It could have been, you know, the legalization of marijuana. It could have been a million things. No, it was, well, we got a new album out, and I just wanted to kind of get the word out about it. And it was like, meh. 
Wayne. Wrong answer, man. <laughs> kind of goes along with the mystery of the band. Like, I want to know what Yucca Man is about. That song is friggin' great, but you know, is it about? Is it? Is there something spirituality, or is it like your drug dealer who was on Yucca Street in Hollywood? You know, probably I something more like that. <laughs> For being real. This is love hate we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic Master P. 
Monkeys, a visual spectacle experience of a lifetime. Rush, Clockwork Angels Tour. Geddy Lee, Alex Lifeson, Neil Peart. North American Tour starts April 23rd. A concert unlike anything ever seen before. Tickets on sale beginning January 28th. An evening with Rush. The time is now. Eric Martinson, the vocalist of Eclipse, and you're listening to Decibel Geek Podcast. Oh, man, Joe is killing it so far. Good picks. I mean, he's picking stuff that we would have picked, so it, totally. it fits right in with the uh, other 27 volumes of this show. Heck, yeah, and you know, the deal with this is, as always, you know, and Joe understands, and he gets it so well, what we try to do with these Radio Sucks shows is that, you know, these are all bands and all songs that deserve to be getting played out there into the world so that people have an opportunity to hear it yep. and say, I really like that. You know, that's what radio used to be all about. You'd hear something on the radio and say, that's awesome. I want to go buy the rest of the album. I want to check out more music from this band. Not just to hear the same songs over and over again. Mm. It's Radio's not an adventure anymore. And not Joe is taking us on a musical adventure. So what you got to do is support these artists. You yeah. know, Joe, his examples are perfect today. Yep. You know, every band we've ever played, any band we've ever talked about here on the Decibel Geek Podcast, we talk about them and we promote them because we believe in them. And we believe in rock and roll. And the only way to keep rock and roll alive is to support the artists who create it. So every one of these bands you're hearing today, go to Amazon through our link, do your shopping, buy these albums. And let me tell you something else. While you're at decibelgeek.com, you got to click on that HK Collectibles Inc. banner. What you're going to find when it takes you there, right to that awesome Amazon store, you're going to find some amazing collectible concert tickets. I'm talking about Pink Floyd playing San Francisco in 1967. That's, a, that's a still the Sid Barrett era, isn't it? It's got to be. I think 67, it is. that's way back. You know a Pink Floyd fan? Put that in a frame and blow their freaking minds. You want to talk about way back? How about the Who? You're going to like this. Playing Chicago in 1982. You know a huge Who fan? I'm sure they would dig it. Put it in a frame. Give it to them. What a gift. One of a kind. Mm -hmm. You know somebody that likes the police? Here's one from Honolulu in 1984 on the Synchronicity Tour. Where are you going to find this stuff? One place. HK Collectibles Inc. How are you going to get there? You go to decibelgeek.com. You click on the HK Collectibles Inc. banner. Do your shopping. And it's awesome. Thank us later because you're going to find some amazing things over there. Right there by the HK Collectibles Inc., I talked about it a little bit earlier, our own Amazon banner. You know how it works. You do your shopping on Amazon, you're shopping there anyway. Take the time. Go to decibelgeek.com. Click on our banner. Do all your shopping. You don't pay a penny more. But when it's all said and done, Amazon is going to take a cut of what they get. So it doesn't affect what you're paying at all. It's just the time. We're helping you help Amazon, help us, help you, help. It's a beautiful thing. Just do that. You're helping out the show. And another cool thing is we get the list. Yes, we get a list of what you guys buy. We don't get your name, but we get the list of what you buy. And you guys bought some really cool stuff this past week, including 
Another Planar 24-inch widescreen LED LCD monitor. Keep them coming. That's awesome. Monitors for everyone. Mm-hmm. An Acer 27-inch full HD widescreen LCD monitor. That's so we awesome. sold two monitors this See? week. See, and that's big ticket items, they man. Are. That helps us out quite a bit. It all adds up. Also, a couple of pairs of Sony MDRX uh, Bluetooth base headphones, one in blue, one in red. Those, right are, those are awesome. It can be anything. Uh, someone bought a Fitbit Charge 2 heart rate fitness wristband in plum color right on uh deep purple to the rising sun in tokyo blu-ray was bought oh yeah and we get into the music uh, and digital music some some stuff i'm not familiar with sons of texas baptized in the rio grande hmm. black joe lewis and the honey bears ptp i don't know that one either huffer rhode island i don't know that and ian wadley's been shopping sammy hagar and stand up was bought never heard of it yeah sammy hagar huh Yep. I'll check that out. Uh, physical, Might be good. Physical music, Deep Purple's Now What, the Gold Limited Edition, and Perfect Strangers Remastered was purchased. Hell yeah, those are both great albums. That Now What's, a, you know, that didn't come out too many years ago. No, but it's, it's their really, latest. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, Crowbots, somebody bought Something Supernatural and Fat City, so they're right boning up on the Crowbot. That's good. We love the Crowbot around here. That's true. So we ready to get back with Joe and uh, hear some more cool tunes? Is that it? That's it. What about, there's a... Oh, those are the songs. Uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the show. All right, cool. So we're halfway through and the picks have all been awesome. What do you got next for us? All right, so this is another band I know you guys are a fan of, King's X. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm a huge fan. And uh, I actually, I almost pulled the plug to go to the Kiss Cruise this year. Not so much to see because of the Creatures thing, which I thought was cool, but I saw them on that tour. But oh, because gosh. King's X was on it, too. To have King's X and Kiss yeah. on the cruise. But I just, my wife couldn't get off of work, so we didn't do it. But um, I was, I've been a fan since Out of the Silent Planet. We've seen them live uh, several times and what can you say about this band and why the heck didn't they ever get huge? There's so much talent in there. Doug Pinnock is not only a fantastic bass player. He is an amazing singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ty, great. He has that John Lennon voice, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jerry is a great drummer. I know he had recent heart troubles. Yeah. And uh, I went through heart surgery, too, uh, Five years on February 22nd. Oh, wow. Yeah, I feel great now. But I, I, whenever Good. I hear about a heart issue, I, I, I feel like, I, I'm, you know, it's very personal to me. But, um, the yeah, I, I, I've, I followed him. I saw him open up for ACDC on Faith, Hope, Love. Uh, saw him on the Dogman. I love Dogman. Uh, I was almost came close to picking a couple songs off of that album. That's a great album. Yeah. But 1998, it's interesting they, there were some good album. There's some great albums that came out. It was also the year that Psycho Circus came out. Yeah. So I'm looking, I'm looking forward most to Psycho Circus, and I li- it's just a piece of crap. Yeah. But you know, Halford comes out. Mm-hmm. Halford comes out. <laughs> Halford comes out with a kick-ass album. I actually love Marilyn Manson's uh, album from that year. I thought he did the Bowie thing perfect. I'm yeah. not. His other stuff is okay. I love um, that album. I, I'm blanking on the name the now. That came out in 1998. Pardon me? Mechanical Animals? Mechanical Animals. Yeah. And But the album for me that beat them all was Tapehead by yeah. King's X. 
And again, I listen to that all the time. And the song that just blows me away is Higher Than God. Oh, yeah. And that's why I picked it. It's quite possibly my favorite King's X song. And that says a lot because I am a huge fan. see them when they're here in town and they play small clubs i'll support the band as much as possible i'll uh, say whatever i can about them but i love the Tapehead album they still they open up with groove machine i believe that's like their opening song every time they play now that's so that's cool that they have an ode to this album yep. but uh, yeah higher than god is my favorite track off this album and it comes pretty close between this and Dogman for my top two yeah. King's X albums because I like that heavier direction that they take in that. But you know, don't get me wrong. If you haven't heard King's X, but, and I know you guys oh, yeah. have King's X, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally agree. And I think, you know, when they're doing the heavier stuff, that's when King's X really speaks to me because, I mean, they're such a talented band and they can go in so many different directions. 
But when they really buckle down and try to kick some ass, you know, and really lay something down heavy, like the groove in this song, mm-hmm. you know, that's to me, that's King's X at their best. Yeah. What I love, what I love about them is, you know, they'll they'll play like a com- like higher than God or a complaint or what. Yeah, complaint. You know, great. Dogman. A lot of the songs, but then you know, Ty Tabor will go into uh, an acoustic thing, and it'll just be beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, a beautiful song, which you know harkens back to like Led Zeppelin. You know, they. They would have that real heavy tune, and then they can go and get on a uh, mandolin or, or an acoustic guitar and blow your mind just as much. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, they're yeah. kind of like they're they're great at mixing light and dark, and sometimes within the same song. Like yeah, like true. even uh, they'll do detuned stuff, but it'll have melody to it, which is not easy to pull off. And uh, and Jerry and Jerry Gaskill, who I've been lucky enough to interview twice, once for a website I wrote for, and once for this show. Um, super nice guy, but like that guy as a musician, if you just go to a King's X show and just watch him, he's, he's a show unto himself the way he plays drums and you haven't lived until you've been part of a Goldilocks sing-along at a King's X show. I mean, and Joe, I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it's like a religious experience, literally. Yeah. It, it's, I agree. yeah, it's just the whole crowd sings the song back to them and they just play the chords and it's it's in, it's truly a it, it it feels like a religious experience when you when they do that song. I bet it does. I also love bands that have uh, more than, you know, one guy that sings. Yeah. Even you know Aerosmith when they would throw the mic to Joe Perry, I think that's so cool. You know, obviously Kiss everybody sings. Um even you know now I appreciate the Beatles. I, I was never a huge Beatles fan, but like the Stones when uh Keith would sing. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you have uh, Doug, who has a great voice, but Ty, who has a beautiful voice as well and sounds a lot like John Lennon, mm-hmm. is so cool. They do a lot of the back and forth, especially like an album like Ear Candy is another great, you know, all their stuff's great. Yeah. Ear Candy, Ty, you know, he go, when he goes in the Mississippi moon, mm-hmm. um, just great stuff. Yeah, they're, they're just a great band. Have you ever listened to any of that Jelly Jam stuff that he does on the side? It's it's good. It's got uh, Rod Morgenstein from uh, Winger playing drums on it. All right, I will have to uh, jelly jam, huh? Yeah, I think you would like it. It's it's pretty good stuff. If if you're big into Ty Tabor. Speaking we... of Kip Winger, this is going off subject, but he's nominated tonight for a classical piece. I saw that. I was I was convinced that the world is coming to an end when Kip <laughs> Winger is nominated for a classical Grammy. I hope he wins. I <laughs> it's great. Cool. It's, it, I think it's worse that Beyonce's nominated for a hard rock Grammy. Oh, you know? God, That's, don't get me started on that. Oh, yeah. Is that anyway, true? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just because it has a guitar part in it. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, that, that that's how that's where rock, rock. If you just go by what's going on in mainstream culture, and you didn't have shows like ours, you would be convinced that right. rock and roll really did die. So, Joe, you but, should be feeling especially good about what you're doing here today because we're doing our part to show that at least somebody in the world knows what the hell's going on with rock music. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, once again, radio sucks. You know, I would hear King's X once in a while on the radio. And you saw them a little bit towards the tail end of MTV. Yeah. But yeah. why this band wasn't played repeatedly, I don't get it. And why they're still playing small clubs and theaters, I don't get. Because and everybody loves them too. You know, you talk to Scott Ian from Anthrax mm-hmm. and Dimebag. You know, when when he was alive, they they were like one one of their favorite bands. And Dimebag, I think, said that like he couldn't figure out how to play half the stuff. He didn't know how the, what tuning they had and everything, and he would try to f- figure out King's X songs. I think they're all, kind of more of a musicians band. Like uh, they, yeah. if they're they're beloved by musicians, but the mainstream public just never quite got them. 
Yeah, I don't get it. Again, that sounds to me like it's hard to put King's X into a box, so you don't know where to where you want to keep them, and so you just don't keep them at all. Yeah, and that's yeah. sad. But if, but if they would have broken, you would have had a ton of King's X copy bands, oh, right? True. Absolutely. <laughs> so I yeah, that's I guess that's the way it works. Cool. Now nowadays, uh, it's in bad shape. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah. So where so where are we going next? All right, we're going to the cult, and. Uh, Aaron, I believe on the last Radio Sucks episode, you brought up that you had a your sister had a friend who loved the cult. He was a disc jockey. Is that true? Oh no, I was the disc jockey. It was my cousin's husband that was okay. a huge right. cult fan. Okay, all right. That's why I wanted to yeah straighten out when you brought that up. I here's another band that I've loved, um, and this is why Radio Sucks because even when you see them live, it's always focused on electric which is their goth era, which I really didn't get into. Now I can listen to it a little bit. Mm. And then, I mean, yeah, and then Electric, which is like their ACDC album. Rick Rubin produced it. Yeah. And Electric's a great album, don't get me wrong. But everything they, you know, Sonic Temple after that, produced by Bob Rock, and I think that was one of Bob Rock's first uh, production albums. Sonic Temple is like straight ahead Zeppelin rock. Yeah. And I love that album. And then... They released a couple albums after that and never gained any traction. And then they took a break for almost seven years. And in 2001, they came out with a phenomenal album called Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah. So the band is Bill, Ian Asbury, of course, Billy Duffy, the guitarist, and then Matt Sorum on drums. You got Bob Rock producing again, but even it's, it's full heavy cult. And then you have uh, most of the bass is played by Chris Weiss, who's now in East Philly's band. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it's just a great album. And I love every song. I mean, there might be songs I like on this album better than the one I've chosen. But the reason I've chosen this song is to prove a point that it's it's the last song in the album. And it still kicks ass, as the rest of the album does. And I just think it is so cool that... Ian Asbury wrote a song dedicated to Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols. That's what it's about. Wow. <laughs> you know, you, you you talk hear him singing about his hero and everything. He's talking about Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols, and I just think that's pretty cool.
And I know the song and I know this album because this is another highly underrated album because when these guys came back in 2001, I was actually working on radio at that time and they let us play Rise, but that was it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wait a minute, man, there's all kinds of other great songs on here. And I think even True Believers was a single, but they didn't let us play it, but it was really good. Yeah. You know, they did a headlining tour and we saw them. It was pretty interesting because they, they really changed up their set list a lot as far as what they picked off this song, uh, you know, off this album. And then um, then I saw them open up for Aerosmith after 9-11, and they played True Believers. They edited it, and they, you know, tied it into 9-11. But, yeah, I mean, Rise was a cool video with the, the uh, Asian women having the, the sword fight, I believe. Yeah. But, you know, they uh, what's the one song? They still have that. You know, they have that signature cult guitar where they play the – open string with you know moving the other string up and down but they put it into such a heavy heavy uh frame um i think it was take the power yeah you know? i think you're right and that's an awesome but, song. But all the songs are great yeah i'm glad i'm glad you're uh you bring up cult and you, and you like the album yeah i like the saint is a great song off there breathe is really good and yeah the one you picked my bridges burn is awesome um they had a song called spanish gold that didn't make the album, but that ended up on a later Rare Cult CD, 
which is really cool too. But yeah, if you like the cult and you haven't listened to Beyond Good and Evil, I mean, talk about comeback albums. If we ever did a show a about comeback we albums, do a show you would definitely albums. want to include something off of Beyond Good and Evil. Right. Well, and, I, and I've seen them subsequently and I saw them in that tour twice. And then they took another seven year break and they came out with uh, that other album. What's born into this? Born into this, yeah. which I thought was really good too. And, you know, and so and then Choice of Weapon, I saw them on that tour. So what they would do is play like one or two songs off the new album and then play mostly electric yeah. and uh, love songs. And I'm like, no, you got a whole body of work. Yeah. Uh, I guess on this new tour, I haven't seen them on the new tour. I guess they throw a couple more songs. They throw Rise into it, but you know they, they they avoid a lot of their body of work, and I think it's because of what sells and what the radio airplay uh, presented with them. But they um, they really yeah it, they're they're another one of my bands that I just love. I, I you know they're up there with Kings X. You know a lot of band bands that uh, a lot of people don't um, or take for granted or say oh yeah I remember Love Removal Machine, but now they're <laughs> they're so much more than that. Right. Yeah. Fighter Woman, you still hear that on the radio. Right, but yeah. really, that's it's, it's those one of those two. one of those sad states <laughs> where, like as always, radio, you suck. Why do you suck? Because you play two <laughs> songs by the Cult when they've got all these amazing albums and all these songs that you could be playing. What's wrong with right. you? Yeah. There's still people who think they were a goth band in the in the eighties. You know, yeah. that was two albums. After that, they started kicking ass. Yeah, they they changed yeah. a lot after those two albums. <laughs> but no, sorry. Yeah. So uh, what do we got after this? All right, so after that, we have the Plasmatics. All right. All right, this so should be this We're going to talk about this because I am passionate about this subject. When I first contacted you guys, I was almost thinking of, you know, I, I proposed doing a show about just the Plasmatics. Um, and I did a uh, podcast on the FAQ, Kiss, Kiss FAQ. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that album later, the WW album. Oh, I love that. So the Plasmatics... I did not like when they were punk. Now, what perturbs me is they always got labeled as punk. Yeah. And I listened to a recent podcast. It was one of the Kiss ones. And they talked about the, you know, everybody's talking about the Creatures tour because of the cruise this year. And the Plasmatics opened for them on that album. They were far from punk at that point. So they went through this progression where they, you know, I, I, I couldn't get into those early albums. I, I, you know, as far as punk goes, I like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and that's it. After that, it, it's all over the place. And I, you know, I just, I don't know. But, and, and if you look at it, Ramones is pretty much surf rock turned up loud. Yeah. And the Sex Pistols is pretty much just hard rock, simple stuff. Um, it was more of an image. So I liked Master Plan. I thought that was a pretty decent song. Then when I heard when uh, Motorhead did the thing with them. I thought that was pretty cool. They did stand by their man. And then, uh, um, plasmatics did no class, which they actually put on this album coup d'etat. And then, uh, motorhead did master plan. And apparently that was enough to piss off fast Eddie Clark to leave the band. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately I was like, I was, I saw the first or second show without him and, and Brian Robertson came out and we were like, what the what the hell's happening here? No, I didn't and they know played that. like they played like twenty minutes and left the stage. I was expecting the big. They had the big bomber rig in back of them. Didn't move it at all, and they played like twenty minutes and left. I'm like, what? And they have this guy in pink ballet slippers or whatever. It's not Fast Eddie. I'm like, what's going on here? And and then you read, you know, 
back in time. You know, you had to wait for the latest Kerrang to find out what happened. Anyway, back to the plasmatics. Um, they So they did the motorhead thing. Then I remember I was watching Second City TV, which I watched all the time. And, it, it, I mean, it was an all-star cast. John Candy, uh, Eugene Levy. Uh, you know, it, it was just a great show out of Canada. And John Candy had this show. He, he played the fishing musician, and he'd have rock bands on. And he had the plasmatics on. And they played a song called the Doom Song off their new EP, which was Metal Priestess. Mm. And I thought it was the coolest thing. It was hard driving rock. It wasn't punk. Um, and I remember they, they were blowing up stuff, you know. And then I remember a dude with a gas mask ran across the stage. It's on YouTube. He runs across the stage with a fire extinguisher. I'm like, this is pretty cool. So I picked up the, the um, EP. And I'm like, you know, this is good. This is not, you know, the punk rock plasmatics. So then they go in the coup d'etat. And it's full blown heavy metal. It's there's nothing punk about this. So it perturbed me about the podcast I listened to. He's like, "Yeah, Plasmatics opened up for Kiss, and they were a punk band." I'm like, "No, at that point, they were full blown heavy metal, dude." And you listen to this album. There's nothing punk about it. This is metal, and she wanted to be metal, and the band wanted to be metal. And there's some kick ass stuff. Um, Put your love in me has a great guitar solo, and uh, I picked this song, Rock and Roll, which just is just just really heavy. I, I like this album. I love this album. And I just don't like the fact, I mean, I understand that, you know, she made a lot of publicity, um, you know, as the, as the punk rocker who smashed the TVs and everything, but they did make a transition into metal and I loved that transition. Right on. Yeah. I think more people need to give that version of the plasmatics more of a chance because like you said, I think the image in people's head is those early years of her just being a punk band and you know that early plasmatic stuff is pretty hard to wrap your ears around yeah but- it's not that good outside of Ma- i mean master plan i thought was a decent song but some of it like butcher baby that i couldn't get into it at all and i, I bought it i'm like nah this sucks but then when i saw him on when i saw him on second city tv play the doom song i'm like this is pretty good and then when they came out with coup d'etat and then they you know i saw him open up for kiss that possibly is my favorite concert of all time on the creatures tour. We saw him in Dubuque, Iowa. I went to the university of Iowa and, uh, we had a drive about two hours from Iowa city to Dubuque because kiss was playing secondary markets. There may be what I, I, you know, the, the, uh, kiss alive forever book says there were 3000 fans there. It, it looked like there was like, a thousand mm. and at one point eric Carr threw his drumstick and went over the crowd and people had to run to the back of the venue to grab the drumstick wow that's what i'm like but that being said plasmatics were, were an awesome opening band and everybody got into them and then kiss put on a show like they were playing in front of you know at tiger stadium yeah so that's that, what they do it's i would probably say it's the greatest concert i've ever seen the, the creatures tour with plasmatics opening up Man. And you got you got to see the onk in person. Yes, I did, and we didn't know. And I know Vinnie Vincent's a subject that's true to your heart. We didn't know, you know. We thought you back then. You know, you read Kerrang and all these other magazines. You didn't know if Ace was going to be there or if a new guitar player was going to be there. So, like, there are a couple songs into it. And I'm like, that's not Ace. That's some other dude. <laughs> you know. Then <laughs> then we find out it was Vinnie Vincent, but um. And we were kind of disappointed, but they 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 played a they put on a great show. Yeah, put on a great show. Yeah. So back to the plasmatics, I I get pissed when um, people just label them as a punk band. It's kind of like you know I 
I knew a guy in high school, you know, he, he tried weed one time, but a lot of people saw him. So they labeled him a pothead, yeah. but he like, smoked after that. <laughs> he just tried it the one time, but a lot of people saw him try it, you know? That's He's like, oh, he smoked it. I'm like, no, he, he never smoked it after that. It's, and it's kind of like plasmatics. They did one thing, then they made a transition, and then something else, and we're going to talk about her solo album later. And uh, to just hear him, oh, they were just a punk band. No, they they, they put out a great album with Coup d'etat, and, and the song Rock and Roll is my favorite song off of that. That's a cool song. Well, there you go, guys. Go check it out through our link on decibelgeek.com. Get Coup d'etat by the Plasmatics and have your world changed. Have your opinion of the Plasmatics changed. Yes. So what do we got? Uh, what do you got next? All right. So another topic I really wanted to cover with you guys is the Chicago metal scene because I am from Chicago. And we had a pretty cool scene here. And I really felt strongly about it when – Dave Grohl did his Sonic uh, Highways documentary. I really like Sonic Highways as an album. I thought the episodes were pretty lame, except for the, I thought the Nashville, I don't know how you guys felt. I thought Nashville one was kind of cool. It was good. I mean, they, yes. there was a lot of stuff he could have covered that he didn't, but uh, but what he did exactly. was pretty good. And, you know, and again, you know, to, to go to Los Angeles, but then go out to Palm Springs oh, and dude. talk about, bands in Palm Springs. Palm Springs is not Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah. And he talks about Rick Nielsen as part of Chicago. Rockford's not Chicago. Yeah. So that, that, and he talked about the punk scene here in Chicago. And, and I knew uh, some guys that were really into the punk scene. And we used to go to the exit, which is the big punk bar. We went there a couple times and it wasn't my scene. We saw Naked Ray Gun actually play in a guy's basement because he was the disc jockey at exit and never got into it. Like I said, I, I never a big punk guy outside of, uh, Sex Pistols and um, the Ramones. Right. But uh, Chicago had a thriving metal scene that really wasn't pushed. And my two favorite bands were Trouble, who were going to play. They were actually from Aurora, which is uh, about 40 miles west of the city of Chicago. Yeah, that's where Wayne and Garth <laughs> broadcast right. from. What's that? That's where Wayne and Garth broadcast from. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I used to live in Lyle. You know, she she actually, she actually uh, did a meet and greet uh, not too far from my house last weekend, and my cousin and I were thinking about going, and then we saw what she looked like now, um, you know, Cassandra, uh -huh. like, and they, the fact she wanted forty dollars to sign stuff, I'm like, now nah, we'll skip it. Oh you know, wow, times are hard for Tia. Yeah, career. the Cassandra I from guess. 25 years ago. Then yeah, <laughs> they get that awful plastic surgery, and ugh. so anyway. Back to uh, the Chicago metal scene. There, so we we love Trouble. Yeah, they'd have shows. There's a band. There's a there's a bar here called the Thirsty Whale. Yes, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, and they would have great bills there, right? And I think, yep. uh, yeah, they had they had some great bands there. But they would have a bill like it would be Trouble, uh, each Z Trope, which is my other band I wanted to talk about, and then uh, Thrust, which was a pretty like a Judas Priest type band, I've heard of and a couple other bands. Like I saw Life Sex Death there. Um, yeah, so they would have these these great shows, and I I really got into Trouble and Z Trope, and I was disappointed that neither band got a push. Um, so what happened was Z Trope uh, broke up, and I used to run into their drummer all the time uh, when I lived in the city with my parents, and he would always go to Rolling. There was you ever be, you guys ever been to Rolling Stone Records here in in Norwich? Uh -uh. There was like the Mecca in Chicago to get all the imports and that. Well, they actually had one downtown too. So I would go to the one downtown 
on Washington. And uh, I would always run into Barry Stern there. He was, he was a great drummer. He kind of had like a Paul Stanley, kind of like Paul Stanley, but kind of not. It, you got to listen to their albums. They had some kick-ass albums. So anyway, um, I would run into him all the time. Great guy. You know, and he was just really intelligent. Their, their music uh, was very hardcore. He, I'm talking about Z-Trope now. And, uh, and really fast and aggressive, more like Motorhead maybe, um, with a little, little faster thrown in there, hmm. but he was a great guy. He was in everything. Like, he was a huge queen fan and, uh, he worked, uh, his job, his main job, he worked it on the board of trade. Um, but just a great drummer and he's a lead singer. So, uh, it, the early late eighties, early nineties, when trouble came out with their albums, especially Manic Frustration, uh, which I'm going to focus on. They came out with one album before that. They, Rick Rubin produced them. And I thought for sure that the radio would pick up on it, especially what was happening with the music scene, and they would get played. And nothing happened. And I listened to these albums all the time, especially Manic Frustration. And I picked Tragedy Man because it is just a great tune it starts out it actually um has a previous acoustic song that kind of goes melds into that and starts out really cool
Trouble had a drummer called Jeff Ole Olson, who was more of like a um, maybe a Vinnie Epicy type drummer with you know he had the big bass drums on the side and uh, they were labeled as Christian rock and they did, they said they didn't like that but they had a lot of positive messages in their lyrics at the time but I guess Jeff left the band to study theology so they got Barry Stern from Z-Trope to fill in and play drums and I think it gave him a more uh, tight, aggressive sound. And with Rick Rubin producing these albums, especially Manic Frustration, I just really, really love them. And I listen to it all the time. And Tragedy Man is by far my favorite song that Trouble ever made. And it's a band that should have gotten its due and never did. And and now they've broken off into these stupid little splinters where Eric Wagner, the singer, has his own gig, but he can't call it Trouble. And the two guitar players call it Trouble, but it's not Eric Wagner singing. So it really doesn't sound like Trouble in my opinion and i would really like to see them all together unfortunately barry stern passed away uh he had some minor surgery and there was a complication and he died uh i believe in the early 2000s and i was really sad to hear that because i remember at times i would always run into him at the record store and he was just such such a great guy and such a vital part of the music scene here in chicago yeah, Trouble's one of them bands, man, where I could just never figure it out because I remember being pretty young when somebody introduced me to that band and being blown away by it. And now to look back through history and be like, why don't Iron Maiden fans know about Trouble? And why don't Priest fans know about Trouble? And Motorhead fans would love Trouble, you know? And, and all these right. bands that they would fit right in with, that's one you say, hey, if you like a band like that, then you should definitely be listening to this. But people just don't know about them. And it's a damn shame because if you don't know about Trouble, you're missing out a whole on a whole lot of great music. And that Manic Frustration album is just top-notch. Yeah, because... You- it's a lot, it's tighter. You know, their, their first two albums were more um, experimental and, and muddier in, in production. And when they had Rick Rubin come on board and then they had Barry playing drums with them, it was like real tight, nice, uh, tight rhythms and, and good songs. I, I just thought it took the band to another level where they should have really been uh, huge. And you got to figure at some at that point there somebody must have thought there's some real worth to this band if they're putting Rick Rubin with them, you know somebody somewhere looked at Trouble and said there's no reason why this band shouldn't be just as big as Maiden or what Ozzy's doing, you know. And they they by by their talent, songwriting, and the awesomeness of their songs and albums, there's really no reason why they shouldn't have been. Right. I know. I agree. One hundred percent. And they're one of those bands that every time we've we've played them on the show a few times, and every time I play them, I'm like, I need to delve more into their catalog, and then for some reason I don't, so maybe I'm part of the problem. I don't know. Damn it, Chris. Yeah. You know, try, definitely get the two albums that, um, I think the one was just called Trouble, and then the next one was Manic Frustration. Those are the two that Rick Rubin produced. Right. Yeah. I, uh, it, like I said, the band went to another level in my in my es- estimation, in my opinion. Um, and like you said, and, you know, with that new stuff they're doing, uh, I think that last album that I heard was called The Distortion Field. 
And yeah. it is different than Old Trouble, but on its own, it's still a pretty damn good album. All right. I got to check that out. I just, I, you know, the fact, Eric, I think Eric Wagner is such a integral part to their sound. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and going back to Dave Grohl, I don't know if you guys ever, did you ever get that Probot album he came out with? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, that song he does on there is awesome. Yeah. yeah so, that you know, it's cool that he, that Dave, you know, Dave's like the, the, the poster boy for rock and roll, you know, and it's got to be exhausting for him at some point that he's got to you know, carry a wave a flag for all these different types of genres and bands, yeah. but he does a good job. And I, I got into the probot a lot. Me too. Um, Me too. And it was cool. They had Eric Wagner sing on his song. Yeah. Cause it was a damn good one too. Yeah. And he brought, and he brought a lot of uh, attention back to Lemmy, which is well-deserved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. the song he does with Lemmy's really killer on that. I highly recommend that probot album. It's mm-hmm. really damn good. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. So, um, all right, we, we're down to one last pick, and that'll be the playout song. But uh, this has been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, informative well, and I, fun. I, I I could do this all day. I, I, you guys are great, man. I love listening every week. It's just, uh, and, and and another side note, my uh, son, my middle son, just signed a. Uh, he's going to play soccer at, at U- University of Illinois Chicago next year. College soccer. Awesome. Cool. Uh, yeah, so we are soccer fans, and I always knew Alexi Lalas. The <laughs> fact we had Alexi Lalas on just blew my mind, man. It, it, <laughs> I knew too. he was fans and stuff, but I never knew he was like this this encyclopedia about Rat. And yeah. I love Rat, and uh, <laughs> which is another band, you know. They they weren't hair metal, you know. What I mean, it's like they, they that first album is just great hard rock, and yes. if, that's another great album. I I can listen to them all day with headphones on because yep. you listen to. Warren's guitar, and then you listen to the other guitar, and, and uh, yeah, it just it it just blows your mind. And uh, but yeah, that was a great episode too. So yeah, I can't thank you enough for having me on, and and you guys do a great job. The amount of work that you put into it is just so appreciated. I really yeah, I I, I want to thank you guys because it's uh, to put out shows like you do and the time you put into it. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't make it down there. Uh, I just had a last-minute thing that happened, but I really wanted to meet you guys in person because you guys do a great job. Well, you still have an open invite, and if yeah. you're ever in town, let us know. I will. I will. I definitely will let you know because I – and he'll be playing uh, – My back to my son. Uh, he'll be playing – one of the teams in his conference is Belmont. Oh. So we'll definitely be down there for a game. Yeah, oh, cool. Well, look us up when you're in town. We'll definitely get together. Yeah, give us heads up when you're coming in, and we'll do it. All right, very cool. Awesome. So uh, – the last song, <clears throat> and if you look, I don't know, you can find me on the Kiss FAQ podcast. I've done three episodes, I believe. But the first episode I did, I, uh, you know, I went on the bulletin board, and I, you know, I, I just love the WOW album, and I would put up posts that you know it's it's a Kiss album. It is. You guys, it is. You guys don't. What's going on here? So then I finally emailed uh julian the the guy who runs the board julian gill who by the way way if you want to read an awesome book get the odyssey book by him and uh tim yeah just just amazing anyway back to that uh and i said you know i am just obsessed with the wow album which is produced by gene simmons who also plays bass on every song would you do an episode on it and then he emailed me back and said would you like to be part of the panel i'm like Yes. And it turned out to be a great show. So I'm going to say it right now. I, you know, I, I kind of feel funny about saying this, but WOW is the best Kiss album that was released in the 80s. Including <laughs> oh, pictures of, that's a bold <laughs> thing. 
I think I think if I was in the studio with you guys, you'd start throwing shit at me. But <laughs> you'd be right. <laughs> but okay, so the album has Gene Simmons playing on every bass. I'm playing bass on every song. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it features Paul Stanley on a song playing guitar. Uh, it has Gene and Ace Freely playing on a song which you're going to play next called Bump and Grind. It was hard for me to pick one song off of this. It's got a couple songs written by Vinnie Vincent and a song uh, Eric Carr wrote and plays on. Uh, I think that defines a Kiss album. Oh, yeah. The only thing that is, she's, it's Wendy Williams singing, but this from first song to last song is some great stuff. And I love this album. And if you really want to, I think to show how great of a kiss album this is listen to thief in the night on this album mm-hmm. and then listen to thief in the night on crazy nights. Cause man, I'll tell you, there were two things I really like when, coming out of this album when crazy nights came out and I put on thief in the night and I heard that tinny awful, uh, wimpy sound. I, I can't stand that. I'm sorry guys, but I was like, no, this is not the song. The song I love is on the WW album. That's Gene Simmons with the friggin' heavy, you know, he, he tried to emulate uh, James Michael Jackson, uh, the production um, with the heavy dr- bombastic drums and the heaviness. Yeah. Now you're making this, this wimpy tinny song. No. And then also when you have Ace Freely on this song that I have uh, bump and grind, you know, again, there was no internet and my friends and I, were uh, convinced that Ace was coming in the back in the band because we knew Vinny had left and we're like, wow, maybe this means Ace is coming back. This is going to be great. Mm. And then they come out with Am- Animalize, which isn't one of my favorite of Kiss albums either. Um, I thought it was a one hit that basically elevated the album to its platinum status. But I was kind of disappointed when they had Mark St. John because after hearing Bump and Grind, the song you're about to play, I was uh, – I was convinced Ace was coming back into the band that I got very excited. So I, this album is near and dear to my heart. Um, it goes along too with, you know, Wendy Williams, not was not just a punk rocker. We saw Wendy Williams on this tour and a subsequent tour. And we actually met her. She's very cool. And, uh, we had front row and she was very, uh, <laughs> she let everybody in the front row grab her ass. And it was a lot of fun. <laughs> what, a, what a nice interactive <laughs> artist. Yeah. yeah. For, for, for a 19 year old, you know, young man, I enjoyed that. Uh, and Spank bank. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah so I, I love this album and Gene Simmons produces it. He, the bass player on the album is Reginald Van Helsing, right. but it's actually Gene Simmons and name me one song that, I don't know, since the 70s that Gene Simmons and Ace Freely played on together. That'd be hard to do. Yeah. So that's why I picked Bump and Grind. Awesome. I love it. Yeah, and this the tone on the guitar on this, if you didn't even know it was Ace Freely, you'd hear this song and be like, you know, it sounds like a lot, a lot like Ace Freely playing on this. You would know it because of the tone of that guitar. It's him, no doubt about it. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll be our playout song today. Joe, thanks for coming on and doing this, man. I hope you've uh, gotten your money's worth for this VIP experience. Hell yeah, I have. Thank awesome. you so much, and keep up the great work. I'll be listening. All right. Awesome. Great. Thanks, maybe Joe. I'll, maybe I'll do another VIP if I think of something else, but Heck no, you guys yeah. do a great job. Thank you. Appreciate hey, let's it. do it. All right. This is the Wendio Williams Wow album. This is Bump and Grind, and we'll see you next week. See you. 
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.